0: Hi, I'm Dominic Patton.
1: And I'm Anthony Delisandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, we have a very special episode with Star Trek Discovery creator Alex Kurtzman and star Sonequa Martin-Green, whose Michael Berman is the first Black female captain in the franchise's history. Now in Season 4 on Paramount+.
0: Now, it's well known that we love all things Trek and having Alex and Sonequa here is a big treat. But let's just for one quick second talk about the Comic-Con that was not last weekend. <laughs> they made a big deal about how they were gonna have this Thanksgiving live event, et cetera, et cetera. And it was very low wattage. Now, no disrespect, they, got, they tried to get it together and they tried to bring it back. And this will probably be the beginning of the process. But honestly, if you're gonna return, return large. And with that, please welcome Alex Kurtzman, and Sonequa Martin-Green. Well guys, thank you for joining us. Um, Now look, everybody knows I love to talk all things Trek, but before we go anywhere, we want to salute the captain. Uh, The first African-American female captain in the over 50, 55 years actually, history of the Star Trek franchise, Sonequa Martin-Green. Thank you for being with
1: us.
2: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. It's what a day,
0: what a day we're in.
2: It's kind of crazy,
1: crazy,
0: but I wanted to, and, and Alex, you know, both of you, we, we want to ask you guys right off the bat. In, in many ways, this seems to like, you know, since discovery debuted and since the new season started a couple of weeks ago, this seems like, well, of course, but this is a massive sea shift and this is a giant barrier breaker. And so Sonequa, now the season is out there. Now people are seeing Michael Berman as a captain. And you know, look, it's a learning curve as we saw, have we seen, you know, in these first couple of episodes. That's what right. has it been like for you and what's the reaction you've received from people?
2: Oh, it's been overwhelmingly uh, joyful and celebratory. Um, it's been it's been quite a reaction uh, from everyone. And you're right, this, this this was, you know, we always knew this was a journey to the chair. Um, but I couldn't have imagined um, how uh, rich the journey was going to be to the chair. Um, everything that uh, I had to learn as Burnham, and every all the healing that took place inwardly, um, and the the sort of acceptance of inner self that had to happen before I sat down in that seat. Um, it's it, it's really amazing, and it makes the fact that this is a historical moment. Um, it, it makes it all the sweeter uh, to me because we're not just doing it. You know, these writers, uh, Alex and Michelle, and our entire writing team, you know, it's not just that they were courageous enough to do this and be allies and, and, and do this, it's that they also uh, made sure that the, um, that the depths of storytelling were, were reached as well along the way. So I think that ends up reverberating back uh, to this historical moment because you see this black woman and I am this woman and I am cemented in history now, but you also, um, you also see the, uh, the character development and you see the, 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 the hardships that were necessary to get here. So it just reminds you of my humanity and of Burnham's humanity, which is the whole
1: point. Sonequa, can you tell us from the first conversation you had with Alex about mm-hmm. Michael Burnham mm-hmm. and where and where she is now, mm-hmm. tell us more, expound more on that trajectory, did mm-hmm. she arrive at the place where you expected her or do you, were there, were there, was there a surprise along the way in terms of her journey? Thank enjoy. you for
2: that. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, because I,
0: there were. Hold some- on, I didn't get a thank you for my <laughs> No, <show>. no. I- Hold <laughs> on. Oh, you
2: know what's funny? Anthony funny.
0: gets a thank you because he's the newbie to this. I've done yeah. this guys with you, you guys, so often. You know what? I you're was like, actually- hey, whatever, Dom. You're whatever. You're just talking deep.
2: <laughs> no, you had you. You're gonna be. You're gonna laugh because I was literally about to say that I, I want to piggyback on what you said because I thank you for saying that it's barrier breaking. Uh, to have Burnham as the captain now, as far as the crew is concerned as well. I think that was a really astute observation, and, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit, but there, there definitely have been surprises along the way, and to be brutally honest, because I'm in a, I'm in a spirit right now, to be brutally honest, um, because of everything happening in my life and in the world, I, I certainly saw, um, it was hard for me to receive flaws about Burnham. Oh. Because of this, because of this moment, and because being the black, the first black woman helming this franchise, and then now, of course, being the first black captain helming this fran- franchise, black female, it's. It, I, I, wanted everything. I wanted Burnham to be received and respected and loved, and, and I didn't want her to be wrong. Yeah. And, and so it was actually hard for me as an actor to see um, the, the, the real depth of a lot of Burnham's flaws. And so I have sort of grown, you know, in myself as a woman, but then also Burnham has grown and, and really learned how to confront herself, but, but truly. And so a lot of those mistakes that have been made along the way were surprises to me because of that. And, you know, no human is, is without flaw. And, and I think that that's also... Um, you know, championing this black woman's humanity is that you see all of these errors in her ways in her heart. And, and, and what's so amazing about Burnham is that she, she is confronting them all the while, even if she's still blind to herself in some ways, what human can't relate to that. And, and that's why I, I, I just, I so appreciate what I've been given because it, it really is, I, I think, what did you say, uh, Alex? You, you always are such a, um, you just be throwing out that wisdom, but yesterday you said the more specific, the more universal. And so there's such a specificity to Burnham's emotional journey and to Burnham's um, maturation that I think then makes makes her more universal, which then does what we're here to do, which is be groundbreaking and innovative. Um, and it happens without people realizing it. Um, and and I do love that because it happens at a subconscious level. Um, so I along the way, I I was always hoping that Burnham would, um, you know, grow and mature and change and realize that her way is not the only way. And even if she's right, that doesn't mean that someone else isn't more right and that the needs of the many really what it means to serve the needs of the many. Um, I've been so I'm so grateful that that these uh, that these lessons have been learned and there are still, as you said. You know, there are still more lessons to learn. And that's the big, that's the big thing. That's the big takeaway too. It's like, you know, you don't just get to be the leader. You don't get to be in a position of authority where you're responsible for, you know, thousands of lives without struggle and without confrontation and without that sort of torturous growth that we all have to go through.
0: Alex, you know, Sinequa so eloquently put it and, and a, a testament to, to your overseeing of the, the rebirth of the Star Trek franchise in many ways. But give us a sense now. We're into the fourth season. And and you know, traditionally shows t- shows have arcs. First season, origin stories, clearly, right? Second season is then the evolution. <clears throat> and by the time you reach a fourth season, this, at least in my opinion, as a TV critic, this is where a show reaches their crossroads and how it's gonna go and what that trajectory to, to as Anthony said. Can you give us a sense of how you guys in the in the writing room and in production, how you planted some of the seeds, for lack of a better expression, and where you see that going at this now you're at this junction.
3: Uh, sure. Well, thank you for that question. So my my partner on the show, Michelle Paradise, um, and I uh, have been talking about Burnham's ascension to the to the captain's chair for a long time. Even before Michelle came on board with me, it was built into the DNA of the pilot. Um, And the intention was, let's set up a character who's brilliant, who is incredibly likable, but who's also deeply flawed. Then let's blow her apart at the end of the second episode so that we can rebuild her over the course of seasons, knowing full well that we wanted to get her into the captain's chair. And I don't think at the time, I would have said to you, oh, she'll be the captain by the end of season three. Um, I I don't, we didn't know exactly when that would land. We knew it would land. We just, I think we wanted to give ourselves the time to get there appropriately. And I'm really glad that we took that time because when I look at Burnham's arc over the course of each season and then how it all adds up to the sum total of who she is now and who she's going to become. I feel like she's had a tremendous arc in every season. And so I was reading something the other day where someone said that Burnham has had, as a captain has had more of a character arc than any of the captains up till now, which, which really isn't a judgment on the other captains. It's just that the other captains, because they came into the series as captains, they were already more fleshed out in their identities than Burnham was. Um, you are gonna say something, Anthony, I, I can see you wanting to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was wondering, Alex, can you tell us, Big big question here, give us the status of the landscape of your Star Trek universe were the lifeblood you were the lifeblood of cbs all access you are now the lifeblood of paramount plus where are you with the next season of picard where are you with other spin-offs whoa you when you go large buddy you go large i want to know everything (laughs) because pandemic uh, i know the pandemic probably postponed you gosh i I don't know a year maybe longer
3: yeah, I mean, as did everybody on every show. Um, it it certainly threw all of our our plans sort of into a blender. But uh, I think everybody pivoted beautifully, um, and everybody kept going as soon as we could. And and I think we're very much on track now. Um, just to finish off what I was, Dom's, Dom's question. I, I think that Burnham Dark. There were certain things we knew. We knew we were going to blow her apart. We knew that, for example, when she got to the future at the end of at the beginning, end of season two, beginning of season three, that she was going to have had a year with herself to have stepped out of who she was and who, who everybody wanted her to be in order to go, okay, I actually don't really know who I am, but what I know I'm not is the captain. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that. And we, and we did that very specifically so that we would give her somewhere to go by the end of season three, which is, okay, I'm going to take that now. Right, So you build in that arc into the season and now you've got an incredible story for, for the character. I think we have a very similar thing in season four, which is that just because, and Sonek was just talking about this, just because she's the captain, doesn't mean that she understands fully what it means to be the captain. And that that is a process of discovery and self-growth that will continue through the rest of the series for her. Um, because as, as a captain, you have to make choices that may serve a greater good, but are against your heart. And that is going to be a very difficult thing for Burnham to do, who is so totally driven by her her heart.
0: Sonequa, you know, picking up on what Alex talked about and, and, and Anthony mentioned this too, and, and we've reported on it a deadline and, and and you and I have spoken about it before. You know, you guys made this season up in Toronto. Let's just be blunt, COVID really kicked everyone a lot. Yeah. Um. And I don't mean to sound pithy about this but having seen the opening episodes of the of the new season you guys you know you you stepped it up because in a way in a way I guess circumstances context always context is everything I you know they say content content is king mm-hmm. but context is queen and <laughs> and you guys it feels like the necessary emotional intimacy that is required for where where the captain is now as the captain is something that, that was that a part of what you were you guys were working with under the conditions of, of a COVID production because it feels like there's a stronger intimacy there and maybe this is just me reading into it clearly as a fan and and as, as someone who does read into these things way too much for a living um but i wanted to get a sense from you from that because i know you guys were under very strict protocols it was a very tight set do you think that that added that that focus because it feels like it's there both in the writing and certainly in the performance Wow. Well, that's a high
2: compliment. So thank you for saying that. And for the question.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. We're good now on that. The The ego has been dealt with. The ego has left the building.
2: Hey, you know, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I, I think a lot of things go into that. I think it's a bit of like a, a, a perfect storm or a trifecta, you know, whatever you, you know, want to, want to dub it. But I think that I think that number one, we, um, we are just naturally, organically more solidified in who we are as a, as a show um and and as a crew and as a show family so of course the the more we do this uh the more we are custodians of this 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 gorgeous thing like the the closer and closer and closer we get you know that that happens automatically and i think even if there had not been you know anything going on in the world that that would have happened but because there was this pandemic i think it just bonded us um because it was difficult you know we were equal parts you know Aware of how privileged we were, um, and blessed we were to be alive, and healthy, and working, and doing what we love, because a lot of people did not have those things, um, and so we were always really like, we did, let's let's continue to have that you know attitude of gratitude, um, but we also were struggling um, because COVID of course was affecting everyone. There was, there were so many, you know, people were being affected in, in their personal lives by it, their families, you know, everything, you know, we were, we were, the whole world was unified in this, in a lot of ways, lots of differences, but lots of similarities. So we were dealing with all of that. And then just the emotional turmoil of it. And then also, the protocols and not doing the show the way we are accustomed to doing it. We're usually so tight and close and, and 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 touching, you know, in every way that we possibly can. So we had to find a way to still be unified without touching, um, still be welcoming and warm to the people that were joining the family without touching. Um, that was especially hard for me um, and, and then, yeah, I think that also it being reflected in the writing because the writing was courageous enough to have art imitating life and have that uncertainty built into the story. Um, and, and, and having, um, you know, having us sort of realize who we are and, and what we need to do in the midst of uncertainty, like the rest of the world, I really appreciated that that was factored into the story, but still very much the identity of Star Trek Discovery. Um, I, I think that they were brilliant for that. So it it also just, yes, it was reflected on the page, but there was just, there was just a lot in the air. There really was, and we had no choice but to cling on to each other. So here you have this crew that have jumped 930 years into the future and they really all, all they have is each other. We were there isolated in Toronto and all we had was each other, you know? And so I think it couldn't help but kind of, you know, manifest itself in the story. Even though we weren't trying to do that, we couldn't help, it couldn't
1: help but be infused by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
1: Alex. Um, for a long time, the Emperor Philippa spinoff was discussed in development. Where are you with that? Yes. <laughs> That's
0: we're going for brevity there. Yes. No, we're okay. we're in, we're
3: in a very exciting place. I can't tell you anything yet, but it, it but uh, it's still very much alive.
1: What do you? What's the next thing we'll see in the Star Trek universe? You think on the surface? is it? Is it the next season at Picard?
3: Um, uh, after Discovery, I should know the answer to this question um, except that now we have so many shows and they're moving around so much
0: that I can't keep track anymore myself. Well, cool. uh, so so let, let, let's move off a scheduling question for yeah. a second. But I, this is a question that, that is inevitably occurring now because of the very fact you have so many shows. Are we going to see some some significant crossovers? Because Discovery has shown us that you can go in and out of canon and you guys have clearly done that now. So it it feels like there's a time warp
3: opening somewhere. It's really funny that you asked that question because I was just thinking about it this morning. And... um, Well, we're good at deadline, You know, we get the news. You get the news, right? Literally from my brain, the minute I think it. Um, Here's the thing about crossovers. I think crossovers can be really, really exciting but they have to exist for a reason. There has to be a great story reason to do it and it has to move both shows forward in a way. Um, and it does feel you're right. Both of you are right that it inevitably like it's coming somewhere or somehow. Um, but I think we wanna be, be as intentional about doing something like that as we've been about our selection of shows and the, the way in which we've curated each show to have its own distinct identity um because the flip side to doing a crossover wrong is that people are really disappointed and it impacts both shows right yeah so it's just not a gamble that i would want to take randomly um that you know that being said it's certainly exciting to think about certain pairings that you're like wow what would what would it be like if those two characters were together or those two crews were together um but i i i want to be careful about it so i guess the 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 dir- most direct answer I can give you is it's on my mind, but I haven't, I haven't thought about a specific yet.
0: You know, we really appreciate you guys spending time with us as always. Um, we want to talk about all things Trek. So first of all, I'm going to strong arm both of you and ask you, you'll come back for another Hero Nation down the line, right? Oh yeah, one thousand oh, <laughs> percent. Right. Awesome. But today I want to, I really do want to make things a celebration. Of it, it's a, You know, I have been a Star Trek fan since I was a kid. It is, you know, Alex knows this. I think you know it too, uh, Senequa, You know, Picard was my captain. Mm-hmm. Looks like I got two captains now, if you know what I mean. And I what? just want to say, you know, in the times we live in, something like this, you know, representation is a very easy thing for people to talk about. It's something that people play lip service to, sadly, far too often but to see manifestations and to see manifestations that are complex and daring and and, and courageous and complex even unto themselves on the other levels that exist around them. Not just that character doing this, but the people around them. It's a magnificent thing to see. Sinequa, you've done this ride. This isn't your first franchise, as we all know, coming out of uh, the glory of The Walking Dead. At this moment, for you, what does this feel like? I mean, we can talk about what it means, but what does it feel like? That is a that's a deep,
2: glorious question. Um, it's it's hard for for me to answer that question. I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm 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 usually ready to say I'm, I have an answer ready, right? And I used to think that I had to say all the right things and be perfect and 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 all of that, but. I, I don't know how to express how it feels because I can't speak about how it feels without speaking about everything else going on, you know, and there's, there's so much going on in my heart right now, especially around this time with losing my, my parents and the holidays and 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 even just considering like the resurgence of BLM back in june of of, of twenty twenty and and then also the pandemic and and everything. It's just the way this all feels right now, this moment. um, it actually truly does feel overwhelming. And I'm realizing so many things about it. I've been talking a lot about how this is, um, you know, we are just sort of custodians of this. and you know, it takes a village to do this, this kind of progression. But I, I I am recognizing the sort of legacy of it. We keep talking about legacy, but I've been really mindful of the legacy after us um, and how this is an accomplishment of those that came before me. And it keeps going. And so it feels very... Exacting. It feels very exposing, um, and and yeah, it's and and very enlightening. And I, um, I'm trying to do my best to kind of sit in it, and and just celebrate everything that had to happen in the world for this to happen, and everything that had to happen in all of our lives for this to happen. So I'm trying to just sit in it and not try to have the perfect thing to say about it it's gonna make see it's gonna make me cry uh
0: i'm, I'm sorry we made you cry but I no think no you- no
2: it, i i can stop it <laughs> <laughs> um no because thank you for for saying that and for um the celebration because that's
0: yeah you know the the the, the, the terrible thing about a podcast is listeners can't see us salute but we thank you both for being here. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, Sinequa. And Thanks. for both Anthony and I, a true story. <laughs> thank you for person.
2: having us. Let's fly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, thank you so much for joining us for this Star Trek special episode of the Deadline Podcast Hero Nation. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a single Final Frontier
1: episode. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. Let's fly!